Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is WSBT's Community Update on 96.1 WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. First, a closer look at how we're doing fighting the coronavirus in St. Joseph County with Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox speaking with Bob Montgomery on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. We're seeing a slight uptick in cases in the county, but really nothing dramatic at this point. And it's not impacting capacity in the hospitals and the like? No, the hospitals are still in great shape, again, as as good as it's been since early in the fall. We have seen uh, at least a couple of cases of the variant in, in both Indiana and Michigan. Is there any sign? We, have we had any cases in this area with any variant, whether it's uh, the British variant, South African, whatever? At this point, we haven't identified any in the St. Joseph County area or in the immediate vicinity. We have a lot of uh, schools going back. In fact, PHM is uh, going to have its sixth and ninth graders in class, and it will be all of them this time. It won't be uh, related to just uh, last names, uh, last letters, etc. Are you concerned about that, that uh, it's the six-foot thing is, is not going to be quite as practical? You know, I think a lot of our area school districts are going to be challenged on physical distancing. Um, and yet the latest data that we've seen suggests that if everyone's facing the same direction and, is, and everyone is masked, then there's less concern there. And the greater risk is actually between, the, say, the adult and the student. And so it's most important to keep six feet between the teacher and the students where possible. But the students themselves all facing the same way, um, it's reasonably safe. CDC came out with really expanded guidance late last week. Nothing dramatically different, um, but using their metrics, we're still, you know, in a in an area with pretty substantial community spread. Our percent positivity looks great, but our our number of cases per hundred thousand, we're right about two hundred cases per hundred thousand per week. So still substantial spread. It, it seemed as though when I when I saw those guidelines that a lot of the mitigation risks they talked about. We're already doing, so I would imagine that's a good sign. It is a good sign. I think we're in reasonable shape. You know, we're working closely with the school districts, and we're just going to have to keep an eye on it because if we do identify a variant in the county that's one of the more contagious strains, that could change things pretty dramatically. Let's talk about vaccines. On a, on a national level, we've gone from roughly about a million per day to about one and a half million, which seems like a fairly substantial number, but it's still kind of that slow train getting it kind of rolling again. What are we seeing in, in our area? Are we getting some better numbers vaccine-wise? Actually, last week, our numbers dropped just slightly from where we, we'd had a big push. You know, the first week in February dropped off a little bit last week, partly Carrie's fault with weather and um, some missed appointments and things. Um, but nothing real, nothing concerning at this point. I think we have a stable supply of vaccine through the end of the month. We're still waiting to see what we can expect in March. Are you getting any hints on when that next age range, uh, the 60 plus might be open for We expect 60 plus this week. Um, and then my best guess is 
We'll probably go to 55 again in a couple of weeks. Okay. All right. Let's talk a little bit about some of the vaccines coming to retail outlets. The, starting this past Friday was, and, and it was it was modest to, to say about a, a million doses going to 6,500 retail outlets. I'm talking about the retail pharmacies, uh, but we know that the Kroger, Walmart, Meyer in our area, they're starting to get some of them. How much coordination are you seeing between what the county health departments are, are getting versus what they're getting? I understand those are completely separate shipments, correct? They're separate shipments and we don't have any control over either what locations are chosen or have any insight into how many doses they're getting. But, you know, one of the challenges is at a retail pharmacy, you know, they're filling your prescription one minute and giving a vaccine the next. And so the capacity that they can do at a retail pharmacy, it may be convenient in terms of access, which is great and it's important, but they will never achieve kind of the mass vaccination status that we can see at the hospital or at the St. Hedwig site. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it sounds like it's great, boy, it's on every corner. We have that sort of thing, but it's just the reality of the numbers of people, right? Yeah. You know, we have six different sites in Mishawaka. You can't turn around in Mishawaka without bumping into a site where you can get a vaccine. Other parts of the county, northwest and far west side of the county, have much less access. So getting it into retail pharmacies that serve those areas will be important, but it, it is unlikely to be really high volume. I want to ask you one last question future. about double masking, not necessarily how to wear it. We've talked quite a bit about that. Who should wear a double mask and in what circumstances should you wear a double mask? It's really high risk situation. So if you're caring for someone who's sick, uh, maybe if you're traveling, you know, on public transportation, that may be a setting, um, or people who interact with the public whose behavior they have no knowledge or control over for hours a day. So grocery store workers might be another group for instance, that would benefit from that additional protection. Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. As Notre Dame students returned to campus last week, a local bar got in trouble over a party where several hundred students were jammed inside with little mask wearing or social distancing. The county health officer who visited the bar said there were more than 300 people there and a serious lack of social distancing. Now the bar's owner says it wasn't a special event, simply a marketing tool. Just something to draw business, drum up business, and to, you know, have something that would cater to the crowd that I normally cater to anyway. The owner of Finney's Next Door says he takes coronavirus precautions like constantly cleaning, temperature checks, and making sure all of their employees wear masks. The health department says the fact that there weren't many masks on customers and limited distancing last Wednesday concerns them. They're on pretty thin ice, yeah, so they could be closed based on these things uh, with another violation. The event was marketed towards Notre Dame students. The campus dashboard reports 49 new cases today, and Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox says it's too early to tell if the one event will be the source of more cases. The university has implemented stricter policies for breaking coronavirus regulations this year, but students say there's a sense of virus fatigue. I don't know if that makes much of a difference. I feel like, I feel like once it's uh, Friday night or Saturday night, people don't really care. People don't really think about the rules. They're just trying to go out and have good times. A student I talked to today says his house is really careful with the rules, but it's clear some students are partying anyways. Oh, it's definitely it's definitely challenging. Um, a lot of students are definitely anxious right now, um, just because it's been so long, just a couple months, um, like adhering to these guidelines. Um, While the county's overall numbers are going down, that's very encouraging, but it 
isn't licensed to go be wild. Um, Dr. Fox says there's still only a small percentage of people who have gotten vaccinated and people still need to mask up and distance for now. WSBT 22, Selena Guevara reporting. The superintendent of South Bend Schools has support from the Chamber of Commerce to close two buildings and reorganize the district. The plan was first introduced to the school board a few weeks ago. After learning more about the plans, the CEO of the South Bend Chamber says the time for change is now. Chamber CEO Jeff Ray says he wants this decade remembered for fixing the schools. Enrollment is declining and South Bend school leaders say some of the buildings are underutilized. According to the chamber, though, it's these new plans that could help fix that. Fewer students are walking through the doors of Tarkington and Hay Elementary Schools in South Bend every year. That's why South Bend school leaders are considering closing them as part of a plan to reorganize the district, something the local chamber supports. I would say the general consensus from the business people that I have spoken to even since our discussion this morning was very supportive of bold change. Changes also include creating an innovation zone for Miso Elementary and Marquette Montessori Academy, two schools that have consistently underperformed according to school leaders. South Bend Chamber CEO Jeff Ray says these plans make a lot of sense to its members. And for the first time we've really felt like there's a, a good plan to get us from where we are today, not where we want to be, uh, to, uh, to where we would more likely to to be down the road. He says the city's population used to be about 130,000 in the 50s, but it's decreased to about 100,000 without the corporation ever adjusting to the new numbers. The size of a family is, is such there just aren't as many kids in the neighborhood as, as before. So, you know, so this is kind of right sizing. And even if Tarkington and Hay close, he doesn't anticipate the neighborhoods to be negatively impacted. I think there's a potential purchaser in Hay. And then I think um, that, that there's a wonderful redevelopment opportunity in Tarkington. Ray says people always talk about the time between 2010 and 2020 being a redefining time for South Bend. He wants to make this decade known for fixing the school system. A final board vote is scheduled for Monday. WSBT 22's Lauren Becker reporting. There's a waiver request that would suspend statewide standardized testing in Michigan this year. The Michigan Department of Education submitted the request at the end of January, and it's a different approach from what we're seeing in Indiana. The pandemic has resulted in two very different reactions in Michigan and Indiana. Monday, I told you about Indiana's plan, which is to hold standardized testing as scheduled, but not to penalize districts for how they perform. In Michigan, meanwhile, the state superintendent and DOE say schools should be spending more time on kids' academic and social-emotional needs, not on standardized testing. I actually am a proponent of standardized testing when used for the right reasons. As the superintendent at Niles Schools, Dan Applegate knows the arguments for and against standardized testing. With the impact of the pandemic on learning over the past year, he understands why Michigan officials have requested a waiver from statewide standardized testing for one year. But he also points out his district would benefit if it took place as scheduled. We've been in person all year. I do want to know how are we doing relative to the curriculum and what improvements can we make for the betterment of our instruction for our students. Still, he knows many districts across the state haven't been able to stay in person. As Michigan State Superintendent Michael Rice notes in the waiver request, this has been a profoundly difficult school year with most of our students learning at a distance. We need to pour the maximum amount of time into children's academic and social-emotional needs, 
not spend the better part of the spring on state testing. I think Dr. Rice is absolutely right for those are the cons for, for, uh, for administering the state standardized testing this year. And Applegate says the list of cons is even longer. There is a lot of time that school districts spend on setting up, receiving, coordinating, uh, administering standardized testing. Instead of statewide standardized testing, the Michigan legislature has mandated benchmark assessments at the beginning and end of the year. As the waiver explains, benchmark assessments help provide us with an understanding of where children are during the pandemic, in absence of being able to administer state summative assessments with the same rigorous protocols as in past years. Applegate says he finds the benchmark tests useful, and he says the fall semester benchmark helped the district understand where students were in their learning after a tough spring and long summer break. But then I explained that Indiana is still holding standardized testing while asking the state government to get rid of penalties for districts that perform poorly. Would that be something that you would be a fan of in Michigan? Yeah, I, I think so, yes. The key, Applegate says, is that standardized tests like the M-STEP allow district leaders to understand how strong the curriculum is while also measuring themselves against other districts. But whatever Michigan does, Applegate's biggest priority is that the state legislature doesn't add any more tests to make up for waiving standardized testing this year. It absolutely drives me nuts that they keep, that they keep changing the tests and cut scores and all those type of things because that's a moving target. Now, if Niles did have to go through with standardized testing, there are some signs it would have struggled, like many districts. 95% of students in each district are federally mandated to complete testing, and it has to be conducted in person. That might have been tough, since Niles had benchmark testing in the fall, and 40% of its online students didn't complete it. A spokesperson told me that the DOE will update guidance and increase support for districts when that happens, but that they decline to give more details for the time being. WSBT 22's Tali Taylor reporting. Long-awaited changes are coming to how the South Bend Police Department handles the use of force. The Board of Public Safety approved a heavily revised policy Wednesday. Following the deadly police shooting of Eric Logan in the summer of 2019 and other police shootings across the country, there were growing calls for the South Bend Police Department to take a look at its own use of force policy. The, the changes proposed in this policy are all steps forward. Voting 4-1 to one to approve, the Board of Public Safety implemented the changes today. The new policy emphasizes escalation tactics and only allows officers to use force proportional to the threat they're facing. It also says deadly force should be the last resort in all cases. I can tell you right now, I, th I think the count was up the last time I checked was two weeks ago. We had 13 requests for our use of force policy from not media, not public. These are from other police departments. Uh, because they like what we did as a community to get to the point we are now. The approval of the policy was on the condition that Mayor Mueller will add definitions of imminent danger and make a few additional changes to be more specific with certain concepts. At one point, the board considered delaying the vote, but both the mayor and police chief said too much work had gone into this to delay it farther. I know sometimes policies are you pass it and then you move on, and, and this is, we're, we're deeply engaged in, in implementing all the recommendations, and if the use of force policy amendments continue to be at the top of the list of reforms, we will, you know, we will stay at it. The group Faith in Indiana had been one of the major forces behind the reforms, but last week called on the board to ask for even higher thresholds for use of force. The policy as we see it is insufficient. Mayor Mueller says he will continue to meet with Faith in Indiana to discuss further changes and called today an important step forward. The mayor told us last week that there are some changes they simply cannot make because of previous legal rulings. His office will make the requested changes and be back in front of the board two weeks from now. WSBT 22's Max Lewis reporting. 
The views expressed on WSBT's community update are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host, WSBT Radio, its staff or management. Join us again next week on Community Update on the Sports Leader, 96.1 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.